Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is indeed a nationally known gerontologist, executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, graduate of Trinity University and the University of the Incarnate Word, where she got her master's in gerontology. And as you've often said, you can stop a conversation at any cocktail party when someone says, Carol, what do you do? That's right. Eyes glaze over. People walk away. I can't even get jury duty when they ask me what I do. Gerontologists, they rule you out. They're like, I don't know what that, the lesson said, I don't know what that is. Next. Well, we have a great guest joining us now who uh, has uh, co-authored just an amazing book uh, and his story about falling into caregiving, both his mother and then his dad diagnosed with a variety of really awful diseases. And we're delighted to welcome Daniel Kenner, co-author of the book Room for Grace to our Caregiver SOS On Air Hotline. Daniel is a member of Actors Equity, SAG, and AFTRA, and was a President Arts Scholar at George Washington University, also a scholar recipient at the British American Drama Academy. He's been in a number of both TV and film productions, and we're delighted to have you on board. Thanks for coming on, Daniel. Ron and Carol, thank you. When you go over uh, that resume, it's, uh, it makes me feel pretty good. Last week I had a pretty bad bout of depression, and sometimes you kind of forget your footing along the way, but when I hear it kind of all collected like that, it makes me kind of feel pretty good. So thank you for that intro. Well, we'll get into the book and the details on uh, your experiences as a caregiver, but I was struck by the fact that you're donating uh, 10% of the proceeds from the book to an organization called Eye to Eye, which was part of your mother Maureen's uh, efforts in uh, elementary school. Yeah, Eye to Eye, uh, their kind of mission is to improve the life of every person with a learning disability, and it started in my mom's classroom. My mom always knew what she wanted to be when she grew up. She wanted to be a special education teacher. And so two days literally after graduating from Rhode Island College with a degree in special education, she got a job at the Providence School Department. She ended up working there for 30 years. And along the way, she met uh, a few young kids from Brown, and they started Eye to Eye, and they're still around today. And they kind of fulfill their mission by supporting and growing a network of youth mentors. And so it's kind of like they organize advocates to, to support full inclusion of people with learning disabilities and ADHD and all aspects of society. I, one of the aspects that my mom really liked about it was that the mentors would come to the classroom and talk with the younger students who kind of had the same disability. And it was an opportunity for the mentors to speak openly and bravely about their experiences so that the mentees could realize that they weren't alone. And, you know, sometimes that's for the very first time you get to see an adult with the same disability saying, wow, this, he went to Brown University. I might be able to have an opportunity to do that as well. So I thought that was a really cool idea. Room for Grace was an amazing opportunity. And so I, when we were finished and it was published, I definitely wanted to figure out a way to give back to our community that had given us so much. So the first one that we chose was Eye to Eye, and I'm really glad that we did. So every purchase gives back 10% to Eye to Eye. 
Well, I just want to say thank you for that. As some, I sit on the board of directors for the Winston School of San Antonio, which is a school for children with learning differences and have been involved uh, in learning disabilities for quite a number of years now. So that's that's fantastic. And I especially like the point that you made. I think a lot of people go on to think that once you get out of school, once you get out of special education, you're fixed. That's it. Mm. You're done. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this is a con- you know it's a condition that you have throughout your life, and many many successful business people um, have learning differences and learning disabilities and compensate beautifully. But you got to learn how to make those adjustments. I want to well, read. It's interesting uh, go too ahead. because I was you know fortunate enough to when I was growing up I could go to mom's classroom and it was always just bright and colorful and energetic and there was just always so much energy and happiness in the room and it really just seemed like a special place but then when I got older I really started to worry about you know what happens when they leave school because at that time in my mom's classroom in room four I really felt like it could have been one of those life-altering times that's really special and you get the kind of one-on-one care that might sometimes be necessary but you know, what happens when you don't have a teacher who, who has that commitment in that kind of classroom? And, and so that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to start with Mom's Project was because, you know, we wanted to go back and we wanted to talk about all the students that created such an influx and a special place in her heart. Well, and I think that the, the probably the link between the two issues, Room for Grace and what your mother was working on, is that we want people to be whole. Um, Mm. And so people that don't have a supportive environment suffer such psychological, um, you know, just from lots of trauma, Uh, you know, Mm. as their kids growing up and as caregivers uh, dealing with serious illness. And so that that kind of support and the love and the acceptance and the tools that your mother was providing to the kids, you know, that's what books like yours and, and our radio show Caregiver SOS on air, that that's what we hope um, will you know the caregivers will feel as well? Well, talk to us a, a little bit, Daniel, about uh, the situation involving both your mother and your father. She's diagnosed with stage four cancer. Your dad uh, is diagnosed with FTD, and we, we've done some shows uh, on FTD with the head of the local FTD association. And uh, and of all the diseases involving dementia. That's one you yeah, do not want. Yeah, that's the one that scares us the most. And it's still the one that we know the least about from research, having gone to the national uh, NIH conferences recently. So yeah. talk to us about how you yeah, discovered. I mean, STD kind of attacks the parts of the brain that deal with behavior and problem solving and emotion control and speech. And dad was officially diagnosed Valentine's Day of 2013. And how the doctor described it was like the preacher who starts swearing on the pulpit. Um, and we were, he asked us to be prepared for aggression and a loss of empathy and dysphagia, a loss of cultural inhibitions and an inability to do any sort of planning or organizing. They told us he would only get worse, that there was no cure. So that was on Valentine's Day 2013. And then four months later, my mom was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. So that was a brutal year. That was I was living in New York. I had just kind of come off of a run of some really successful projects in New York and at the time was in a happy relationship and all of a sudden everything kind of just started crumbling and I was really afraid. My dad was always my idol. Um, he was a director and a theater teacher and he worked at RISD and then he ended up working as a middle school theater director in the Providence School Department. 
and I, um, he was my idol. So it was really difficult. I got really lost, and I kind of was commuting back and forth between Providence, Rhode Island, and between Brooklyn, and trying to maintain a life in Brooklyn. But every time that I went home, there was no, there was always a new normal, and I was never prepared for what I was going to encounter on my next visit. And I, it got really difficult to keep coming back. But finally, in 2016, uh, about two days after Father's Day, my dad ended up falling down the, our basement steps, uh, bringing up the laundry. And we ended up in the NC, NICU for about 12 days, and dad had an incomplete spinal cord. And so after that, everything basically kind of changed. Um, I I went home for the last year and a half. They ended up passing away within four weeks of one another. I think the story is not unique, but I do think it is heartbreaking in the fact that they were best friends and they relied on one another. And I think it became more and more difficult for mom to be dad's main caregiver the more unhealthy she became. And my grandmother always taught my mom that the more people who love a child, the better. And that was kind of something that my mom took into the classroom. And so that was kind of the approach that we took with my mom and dad. We never really shied away for asking for help. My mom grasped onto the concept of saying yes. Um, She kind of became the student, not knowing which aspect was going to be the piece of the puzzle that would help the most. Um, So we officially started kind of broadcasting our message through Caring Bridge. It was kind of an opportunity to connect with our family and our community. And because of the relationships that my parents had built, we really learned that people did want to help and they wanted to be there with our family. And we definitely couldn't have done it alone. It's a terrifying, terrifying reality. Daniel, let me remind let me remind folks who may have just joined us who and what they are listening to. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Daniel Kenner, co-author of the book Room for Grace, talking about how his mom and dad were diagnosed with debilitating diseases four months apart, and they died within four weeks of one another. How did you deal with all that? You mentioned it was incredibly emotionally tough. I guess the honest answer is that I wanted to be one of the, I guess, the the torchbearers to my parents' stories, I guess you could say. My dad was always just such a unique storyteller, and my grandmother also actually had Alzheimer's. And I was captivated by the sense that I was the same age when my grandmother died, that my niece and nephew were when my mom and dad died. And so I remember what it felt like having a little bit of a dissonance between the reality and the memory. And I wanted to be sure that I contributed something for our family that people could hold and grasp and always kind of turn to. And so when dad's dysphagia started setting in, we started losing all of those stories that I always loved. And so I kind of knew it was up to me to go home and to get those stories down. So on my parents' 30th wedding anniversary, I took them to Bar Harbor, Maine, and for a week we hunkered down into a hotel. And I started an oral history project with my mom. Dad would sit on the bed, and he would smile, and he would read a book, and we would watch the boats come in. 
But for seven days, Mom and I did an oral history, and we ended up getting 30 hours on tape. I don't know. I was just—I was so proud of my mom. I thought it was so awesome. She kind of knew what she wanted to be when she was a kid, and she literally got to live her dream. I thought that was—I thought that was really special. And we realized that the kind of the rewards that she found in teaching were small moments loaded with power and inspiration. And it was the children who held the most important role for her in strengthening her skills as a lifelong learner. And so we wanted to teach some of those lessons that she had learned from her special education students kind of and parallel it with what we were going through as a family because it was the special education kids in room four who really reinforced my mom's desire to push for inclusivity and understanding. And by witnessing how they and their families made difficult decisions and through hardships and limitations, you know, my mom learned to... You guess, I guess you could say remember the faces of the children, and her moral compass was governed by children. So we got to learn a lot about how to handle ourselves through tragedy by the lessons that my mom had learned in, the, in school. All right, hold that thought. Uh, you've been in enough TV shows to know my producer's giving me the break sign. We'll come right, <laughs> come right back to you. I hate to cut you off. It's a fabulous story. He is Daniel Kenner talking about his book, Room for Grace. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, on Caregiver SOS On Air. We are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. The all-new WellMed Radio. And remember... WellMed Radio, Saturday at 7 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and Sunday at 12 on Freedom, 1160 KRDY. Well, we are following an amazing story as we talk with Daniel Kenner, co-author of the book Room for Grace, an actor, a writer, a director. He's done it all when it comes to theater, film, and television. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernil. And Daniel, uh, you were talking about uh, the 30 hours of uh, uh, interview you have uh, uh, with your mom. You went up to Bar Harbor, Maine. You spent some time with her. Uh, what was her motivation uh, to put it all down on audio tape? I think it was the a preservation project, I think, to start with. I think... It gave her an opportunity to know that she lived a life well-lived. It became really difficult for my mom. She was getting sick at a time that she had to take on new roles caring for my dad, um, and the sickness forced her into an early retirement. My mom once won Teacher of the Year. Like I said, it was her dream, and I don't think she was really ready to stop. And I, it really, it really hurt mom knowing that she wasn't able to go to the classroom anymore, and it really scared her thinking about the children feeling sad because children are so connected to their teachers. And I think mom was really worried about what it would be like for the kids knowing that their teacher was sick. So I think it was a preservation project to look back, uh, you know, on, on, a com- on a commitment as a wife and as a mother and as a teacher, as a happy new grandmother. It really was just one of those special things to be able to share and learn more about her childhood. 
And it's now something that I kind of have. My grandfather passed away this year, and one thing that we realized is a lot of people, when people pass, sometimes the only thing we have that their voices are voicemails now. Uh, when I was a child, we didn't really have any videotape of me, so that kind of stuff is lost. But now whenever I need to access it, I have all of these tapes with my mom and dad talking about life lessons, and I think that's really, I don't know, I feel very fortunate that we kind of made that commitment to each other, and I was able to give her the first draft for her last Christmas gift together. Um, and then we went to Newport, and we kind of went to another hotel, just the two of us now, because dad was in uh, a nursing home because of the spinal cord injury. So it was just the two of us, and we got to go over the first draft, and we got to edit it together, and she kind of got to hold her life, quote-unquote. And she told me it was the greatest gift that she had ever received, and I told her that it was the greatest gift I've ever received to be able to receive that trust from her. And it was just such an honor that she committed that time even though she wasn't feeling good, I would give her writing exercises. Ah. Um, I kind of pushed her to the limit a little bit so that we could, you know, the inevitable happened when, like I said, in June of 2016, when dad had the spinal cord injury. Well, two months later on my 30th birthday, mom was put on hospice. Um, so everything was coming very, very fast. And so we kind of felt like we knew where the end of the story was going. So we wanted to spend as much time together working on the the other aspects of the story as we could. Well, I love that you made her your co-author. Well, and I, well, and I'm, I'm her know, co-author, to be honest. But yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed that um, you know you can talk about all of this, uh, you know, dealing with the illness and the loss, and, and it and it's so soon. I know my own mother passed away in 2017 from Alzheimer's. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'm as clear as, as you are, you know, and I'd certainly wish I could have recorded her when she could still speak. That was her first loss was being able to speak with the Alzheimer's. So what yeah. it is, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful gift to have those. And then it's a wonderful gift to take that and share it uh, with the public. How is there in those stories your mother told, is she telling stories also that maybe your father couldn't tell with his FTD? Within the story, no, I have those, and currently I'm working on uh, a fourth draft of a new play that I'm writing, and it takes place in a penthouse bathroom, and I'm, ta- I'm working on the idea of another millennial caregiver. So for this n- new project, I'm trying to incorporate some of my favorite dad stories that I have. So Room for Grace kind of ended up being my tribute to mom, and this new play that I'm working on, Resolution, uh, that I actually just just got a copyright for so that's cool news um that's going to kind of focus on kind of those last few months with dad you know i think Um, i I think people don't realize how much effort goes into writing whether it's a play or a novel or a nonfiction. looking at your website you list a lot of products uh, and and there's first draft second draft third draft fourth draft uh, (laughs) dates that you give and i was impressed with that You, you didn't in any way cover up the fact you know what this is hard work I get worried, Ron. I spend a lot of time alone, and it's, uh, it, it has been wearing on me recently. Like I said at the top of the broadcast, I did have a really bad depression last week, and I do get uh, worried that I spend a lot of time with myself kind of communing with some of the voices from the past, and it is difficult. This play certainly has kind of tested my limits. Um, 
in January of 2017, my dad told me he was going to die, you know, a month before he did. I was sitting by him, and because of the dysphagia, we didn't really have many deep talks at the end, but one day I couldn't really tell if he was hallucinating or if it was the morphine, but clear as day, listening to a Bob Dylan record sitting beside him, you know, he told me that his mom was there and that he was prepared to go, and it was... um, it was heartbreaking, and I, I really thought that he was going to go. And then those last two two weeks, it was like living in wait, knowing that he was about to go, um, unsure when it was going to happen. And it finally did in a really beautiful way that the sun was coming through the window. And my brother, my two brothers and me were by dad, dad's bed when it did happen. And then mom came in, and I remember saying, it's over, and she kind of, collapsed and fell on dad's chest and then you know another month later my aunt and i were together in our in our house because of hospice mom got to pass away with dignity at home but i remember uh the same kind of thing i said it's over so both times mom and dad passed my first reaction was it's over and um so to get back to the writing it is it is a long arduous process and sometimes you just have to say it's over so I'm getting worried about what the next project will be or how I'll keep my parents close with me. But for certain, I am very, very lucky that I had room for grace and that I committed to that and that I was fortunate enough to get that published. And now, kind of coming back to my roots as an actor, I'm really hoping that we can find a good home for this new play I'm working on for millennial caregivers. Well, I like you describe yourself as a millennial caregiver because actually <laughs> that's something that's quite new in the professional lexicon. There are a lot mm. of articles bouncing around in in the you know, in professional circles about don't forget millennial caregivers. You know, this percentage mm. of people are millennial caregivers. Um, and there are cohort differences. There are differences in the way we approach and think about things um, based on where we are and, you know, the people that we grew up with, this little timeline that we live on. Uh, And so what do you think, being a millennial caregiver, is there something as you've been writing that you think is is unique or different or defines a millennial caregiver? I hope not. I hope everyone has their own unique story and that each one has going to have their own heartbreak. Each one is going to teach different keys to happiness and survival and but I hope I think that I can speak for millennial caregivers and say that when they go home and they're with family, they are instilled with importance of family and faith, and hopefully they're instilled with you know hard work ethic and taking care of yourself at the same time as taking care of your loved one. And like I learned from my mom, to be allow others to carry you when you can't be carried. Um, it's necessary to take from the community, but it's also very important to give back to your community. Right? And I think that's truly one of the keys to happiness is to is to be able to kind of give back what you've learned. So I don't know if my story is going to be a definition of a millennial caregiver, but it's going to just show one situation, and it's going to be raw and truthful and honest and as vulnerable as I can possibly be. So are you getting out at all? I'm, I'm worried about yeah, you. We're, we're ready to have an intervention for you. Don't isolate, <laughs> don't isolate, don't isolate. Yeah, we I need... was lucky uh, on Sunday, actually, to be the featured guest speaker at a Caring Kinds Alzheimer's Walk on Coney Island. Um, so I, I organized a team uh, for the second year. We did, uh, my team, my buddy and me, uh, we surpassed our goal again. And so we had about 250 people on the boardwalk, and I was lucky to get out with them. Uh, Ron, I'd say once a week I get to the theater, 
recently on June 1st, I got engaged, which is super well, exciting, tov. That's now fabulous. stressful realization of how to get married. And, um, now, was this the young and, woman you were seeing before your mom got sick? No, but this is uh, a special friend that came up a week after Dad passed away, and she's actually the last new friend that I got to introduce to my mom. Oh. Uh, so she actually, my mom, you know, she got out of bed, and we put her in her special chair with her oxygen machine, and she kind of took her oxygen mask off and did her makeup and did her hair, and so Jasmine got to meet Mom, which is uh, which I, I think is extraordinarily special. That's and pretty then, cool. Yeah. We've been dating for a few years now, and she's gotten really close to my family, and I've gotten really close to her. So, well, I, well, her family. So, thank God we end. Thank God we end on a a high note. I'm still ready for an intervention, though. Whenever <laughs> you guys are ready. Oh, we'd love to come up there. Listen, we're flat out of time, but uh, you've been a great guest, and and there's so much more to talk about. You're at risk of being invited back. I really appreciate Ron and Carol. I hope we can talk again soon, so that I can hear more about some of your fun memories with your mom. So if people want to find the book, Room for Grace, how do they find it? Carol, it's on roomforgrace.org. And like Ron was nice enough to point out at the beginning, 10% will go to eye to eye. It's also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and you can walk into any independent bookstore. Cool. You can order it by name, and it'll be there within four days. Room for Grace. Daniel Kenner, thank you. Enjoyed talking with you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we're delighted to have you all here listening to that incredible story. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.